Hey, my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. Deuteronomy 11 says this, The land you are entering to take up ownership isn't like Egypt. In other words, it isn't, in other words, it isn't the worldly way. It's not what you experience. It's not the land you left where you had to plant, you had to water it yourselves. But the land you are about to cross, the river, and take over your own is a land of mountains and valleys. It's a land that God, your God, personally tends. He's the gardener, and he alone keeps his eye on it all year long. Man, you, you might be familiar with that passage as you're like, oh, that was talking about the Israelites as, as they were leaving Egypt, a place of slavery and bondage, and as they were going into freedom, and God was saying that the promised land that they were going into was going to be a different kind of land. But do you know that that is true for our marriages as well, that most of us have learned what we know from the world's way, and we are leaving the worldly way, and we are stepping into a place where we don't have to do it in our own might, we don't have to do it in our own strengths, we don't have to do it in our own looks, come on somebody, you know, I, I, I know not everyone's a 10 like this right here, but here, well, what I'm saying is, you, you don't have to do it all, that was a joke, you don't have to do it all on your own. Because this scripture says this, two things, two big thoughts. One, the promised land is full of mountains and valleys. God's people are going to experience valleys. Yeah, it's not always mountaintops. If you thought that following God meant that nothing bad would ever happen to you again, you sold out to the wrong Bible because that's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is that you will never go alone again come on though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i shall fear no evil for my lord is with me come on where can i go and escape the lord shall i run to the highest mountain you are there if i am in the lowest depths you are there that's what the psalmist said in other words every single mountain and valley we now have a companion a lover an advocate a father who is with us and so your marriage, too, will experience mountains and, yes, valleys. Some of you are still so close to the honeymoon season. You're like, we ain't going to experience no valleys. You won't experience some valleys. Come on. And you're not broken, and God has not left you because you have. We all experience wins and losses, highs and lows, tears of joy and tears of sorrow. That's called life. In fact, I love that Job was level-headed enough to say to his wife in Job 2, he said, should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? In other words, it would be immature and unwise to think it's all mountaintops from here, baby. <laughs> Come on, God's on our side. No, Job experienced some excruciating pain. And yet he said, I shall praise the Lord no matter what, right? So the future's bright, but it's full of ups and downs. And here's the second big takeaway relationships can be on your own or they can you can do it all with god you can do it all on your own but as christians we should be doing it with god every step of the way i like what that scripture said he said it's a land that god your god personally tends he's there with you he's in the midst of it he's the gardener he alone keeps his eye on it all year long. God is more for your marriage than oftentimes you are. 
because he loves what it represents and i hope to convince you of that before we end today's message listen here's what uh, my wife's verse came across isaiah 40 verse 4 and 11 says every valley shall be raised up every mountain and hill made low the rough ground shall become level the rugged places a plain he say he he tends the flock like a shepherd he say he he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart he gently leads those that have young have have you been doing it on your own it gets tiring or you could do it with him who is for you not against you he has a mighty right arm the bible says and he does the heavy lifting in our lives and so we get to do it with a gardener who created it all he's got the whole world in his hands come on it means he's got my marriage too and i don't want to leave him out of that now even though we're going to focus on marriage throughout the series um you can apply many of these teachings to other relationships in life friends uh kids co-workers except for next week where pastor greg will be with us as a guest speaker and his message title is how to have great sex we don't want you applying that one with your co-workers that one is in the confines of marriage only okay and so listen you might be saying come on are you are you really calling it that and are you just trying to be cute and catchy well listen the Bible has many things to say about that subject matter, and we're not going to leave the enemy a stronghold where we're just too, too afraid to touch it. So next week, you're like, is it okay that I come next week? Like, how graphic we're going to get? It'll be PG-13, so if you want to utilize our children's ministry, we got a great children's ministry, but it will be no more graphic than the Bible is graphic on the subject. Did you know the Bible has a lot to say? about this and it'll be it'll be light it'll be fun what i love about pastor greg he's such an awesome communicator we're gonna laugh a little bit we're gonna learn a little bit and i hope that you'll invite a friend it's probably never more easy to invite a friend than hey next week we're talking about having have, how to have great sex well I'm, I'm coming right now some of you are going pastor drew i don't need any help in that area if you are and all you've learned on that topic is from the world you need a lot of help in that area, <laughs> all right? The world doesn't have it figured out. The world actually, that's where we often use that term perverted, which means out of the original context. We often use that term to refer to sexuality, even though it, it goes beyond that, but that's because the world's got it so messed up. And there's other of you who's saying, man, that's all we fight about, but I wouldn't tell a soul about that. That's okay. That's why we want to make sure Satan has no stronghold in your life. Okay, so I know it's a little bit different, but I want to encourage you to invite somebody out. College people, you invite a college person to hear about how to have great sex. They'll show up. They'll show up. I promise you. Invite them. Okay, they're going to learn it needs to be in the confines of marriage, but that's good. They'll come out. Listen, um, and if you haven't signed up for a marriage conference, I'm going to give you one more push. We start that next Friday. You have time to sign up. Here's so many other things Pastor Greg's going to be teaching about overcoming four marriage lies the three best things you can do for your marriage raising kids without raising your blood pressure come on jesus speak to me speak to me listen you can sign up on our website liftsby.com marriage conf is short for marriage conference um, go there and listen think about someone that you should invite maybe god puts it on your heart to sponsor a couple to come 
If you're single or single again, you are very welcome to join us because it is so wise to invest in your future marriage, okay? And so um, please apply not only what we're going to do at that conference, but also today's message to your future. It's going to be bright. It's going to be good. So why would I talk about marriage? Well, marriage is under attack. Marriage in our nation, even globally, it's, it's under attack. Um, it's been evident this past year because as COVID and the pandemic has hit, we get to see news articles like the New York Post that says this. It says, um, show that news article. It reports that COVID divorces are high and they're getting higher. Oh, look, it's Mary-Kate Olsen. Come on. And, and it says at the bottom that Mary-Kate Olsen filed for an emergency divorce, claiming she was afraid she'd lose her apartment during this pandemic. Wow, that sounds like a good reason to split up. <laughs> and and it, it says, it says it's, it's causing so many couples to divorce. The New York Times also wrote a headline, and it says this, considering a corona divorce, you're in good company. Like, everyone's running to the courts to get a divorce and, and leading us to believe. I, I know I've had people lead me to believe that divorce rates are skyrocketing, but did you know that that's actually not even the truth? It's, it's, what, it's what leads the articles right now, but I love that the Washington Post put out a different article they used research, and <laughs> how about that for a change, right? And they used research, and they showed this. This is an article you can find on the Washington Post. Divorce is down despite COVID-19. It says this. 58% have said that the pandemic has made them appreciate their spouse more. My husband was home more. I had more time to be home. We focused on the family, and so we're actually better off than we were. 51% said their commitment to marriage has deepened, while only 8% said that the pandemic weakened their commitment. In fact, from 2019 to 2020, it says married people reporting their marriages in trouble fell from 40% in 2019, 40% saying we got some issues, to 29% in 2020. Why? I believe because the Lord knows how to use all things to work together for the good of those who love them. I don't wish the pandemic on anybody. I'm ready to get out of it, yet God knows how to use it. But that's not the message we get. Why? Why? Because Satan hates marriage. Marriage is under attack, and Satan wants to divide your marriage or your future marriage up. Let me stop and say this, that if you've already experienced a divorce and you're listening to me in person or online, or online, let me say, as your pastor, I'm not speaking shame or condemnation over you. What is in the past needs to remain in the past. If, if the Holy Spirit brings anything up of conviction, then you deal with that. But if you've already dealt with that, you be free. And you understand that from this point forward, we're going to do things differently, okay? Listen, when you bring things to the cross, Satan can't go beyond the cross, okay? So when you lay down your sin or, or mistakes at the cross and you ask God to forgive you, guess what? You move into new life beyond the cross. Satan might try to bring up your past. You say, go take it up with the one who was crucified and already paid for this thing because it's already been dealt with. Don't take it up with me. I am free, free, my Lord, I'm freed indeed. I don't think that's how that song goes, but it's close enough. Anyway, <laughs> that's going to mess with me now. Anyway, listen. 
There is no shame or condemnation, but there are principles that we pick up from the word that we can grow in moving forward. Amen. If you agree with that, say amen. So, so um, why, is, why is marriage under attack? Why is, why, um, here's what the census.gov is reporting. The census.gov says that divorce rates are down. <laughs> They're down over the last decade, but also notice that the marriage rate is down. So marriage as an institution is under attack. Young people are getting married less frequently or later. Why? I think one of the reasons why a fascinating article I read on SSRN called A Diamond Is Forever is because De Beers and the jewelry company has made us all believe that, listen, I better spend a lot of money on that engagement ring or else she won't know the worth she has for me. And so there's, there's young men who are like, come on, she's the right one for me. I'm going in. I'm buying a wedding ring today. How much did that cost? I'm not buying a wedding ring today. Come on. <laughs> you, you, come on. I love talking to young men. We figure it out during the engagement time. We're like, um, how much is that? Okay. Um, why does that cost so much? And it's got two flaws. How about you show me a ring with four flaws in it? Will she ever see it? Even if she uses a magnifying glass. No? Okay. Give me a little bit more yellowing color and uh, maybe drop it a half carat size. Okay? Let's see if we can't get into the ballpark. The um, statistics say in 2013, the average wedding cost has skyrocketed to $29,858. For the big event, this father of three has got no shot. That's a hundred grand. Down the tank, baby. Come on. Uh, listen, you got three girls too, Brian. We're going to start a Brian and Drew fund. Anyone who feels sorry for us just wants to sow in to future non-bankruptcy for the two of us. We'll, we'll, we'll accept that. 29000 I'm going to tell my girls, you got 2900 Good luck. <laughs> Oh, God, you got time to work on me. <laughs> um, why is this? You know what's also fascinating, side point about that article? They actually said the more you spend on the wedding, the, the higher the divorce rate is. So this world has sold us on a lie. You better spend a lot on her or she won't know she, your value. And yet they divorce at a much higher rate than the one who spent uh, 2000 or less on an engagement ring. So I just put some men at ease. <laughs> And some women are going, don't say that. <laughs> Come on, you know you want to put a ring on it. Okay, so anyway, why is marriage under attack? Because you're annoyed with his bad habits? No, because Satan hates it. Satan hates what marriage represents. I wrote this down. Marriage represents an unconditional, unbreakable, unbreakable covenant bond of love. Marriage represents an unconditional, unbreakable covenant marriage, uh, a covenant bond of love. In fact, let's read a scripture that Jesus pointed to when it comes to marriage that you'll hear at a lot of officiated ceremonies on weddings. Matthew 19 says this. Jesus said, from the beginning, God made them male and female. He said this, um, and he said, this explains why a man leaves. Say leaves. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Say the two become one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. God says that a man should leave his father and mother, 
cleave, two become united as one, and let no one ever separate them. Why? Is this because this is what sets up the most healthiest marriages? Well, understand this, that the reason God wants nothing to ever split them apart is because your marriage is doing um, uh, two things. Your marriage isn't just about you. Your marriage is primarily a sermon. Your marriage will preach a better sermon about God's love than I ever will be able to put together. It is the sermon of God's choice. It's the metaphor that he instituted to say, in the same way that a groom will stand up to a bride and say, no matter whether it's good or bad, rich or poor, nothing will ever separate us. In the same way, this is how God feels about you. He's connected. He's for you. He's standing at the altar. His hands are open. Can I, can I prove it to you? It talks about leaving, two becoming one, and let no one separate. Let's talk about Jesus showing his love to the world. Did he leave his father? Yeah. Yeah, he left something to show love. Uh, to be joined to who? The two to become one. He wanted to be joined with you and everybody you know. So there's leaving, there's cleaving, and yet he says, will anything separate us from the love of God? Help me out. No, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And when we are united to God, do we leave something? Help me out. Do we leave something? Hopefully you leave your life of sin. You leave your life of past if you want to walk with God. Do you unite with him as one? Do you ask him into your heart and the two become one? Okay. And, and should anything ever separate you, does Satan ever more try to separate you from his love? If you've experienced something, try to separate you from the love of God. Come on, be real with me and tell me. Come on. Sin knocked at your door this past week? Yeah, yeah. And yet God is saying through a marriage metaphor, let nothing ever separate you. Why? Because your marriage is about way more than your happiness. In fact, write this down. Your marriage is the greatest sermon of God's unconditional love. Your marriage is a sermon. I hear some men going, I didn't sign up for a sermon. I signed up for sex. Okay, I understand. Marriage is about way more than that. And you need to understand that, that your marriage is a message to the world. People are watching. Satan's watching. In fact, here's the second point. If your marriage can be split apart, God's love metaphor falls apart. Why does Satan hate marriage so much? Because if he can make your marriage fall apart, the love metaphor falls apart. People start going, well, if you called that unconditional, unbreakable, covenant love, and that fell apart, then maybe God feels the same way about me. Maybe he's divorced me. Maybe I've been too bad. Maybe I'm beyond reconciliation. Maybe I'm too far gone because I have watched what you call following the Lord and covenant, and when it falls apart, it, it makes me not so secure that God is still waiting for me at the altar. I want to say this. The, more and more people need to see that our love, it's going to last. I don't always want to go home. I don't always get it right, but I'm going home, and I'm going to connect with my wife. Because uh, in the same way, have you always gotten it right towards God? Are you, have you gotten to the point where you don't need his forgiveness anymore? Well, then she needs it too. 
he needs it too. And they need to see that he, God, will always be the groom standing at the altar saying, whenever you're ready, I'm ready to marry you. I'm ready to covenant with you. I'm ready to connect with you. And so anything, here's a principle you should write down. Anything God loves, Satan hates. Anything God loves, Satan hates. Look at Job. Job was one of those guys that in the book of Job, it says Satan looked throughout the whole world. And he said, I'm just observing some things. I'm just observing some things. And, 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 and God said, you check out my boy? And he goes, yeah. The only reason he loves you is because you don't let me touch him. He said, okay. While you are on the attack, God's saying, look at that. Look at that. That's proof of righteousness. That's proof. Listen, the enemy with your marriage, the enemy wants to attack while God's going, look at that. You doubt my love for you? Check out what's going on over here. Okay? Listen, it's not always pretty. It's not always unicorns and rainbows. But it's always covenanted. We are walking back together. We will restore healing. There will be reconciliation. We are going to stay in love and stay together. At the marriage, I said, just as God will never roll out on me, I will never roll out on you. That's what I said to my wife. And to the world, our marriage says, just as I will never roll out on my spouse, God will never roll out on you. Your, your marriage is a metaphor. It can witness to your coworkers on the love of God. It can witness to your neighbors. It is the greatest sermon your kids will ever hear on the love of God. Not from me, not from our great children's ministry. They're watching your marriage and to see what does God's love? It's unbreakable. Again, I want to say this. Many of you may have suffered a divorce, or maybe um, you, you've, you are now a widow, and it was unexpected, and in the divorce, you tried everything you possibly could. I'm not here to bring shame on you right now. But I am saying with new revelation, let's, 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 let's get our message, our marriage message back on track. Amen? All right, And so for many people who are single, I want you to hold on to these keys because my marriage is a witness to the world. So many say I've screwed up or you don't want my marriage to be a sermon to the world. We got issues. Okay, well, listen, in John chapter 21, Peter let God down, let Jesus down at the cross Denied him three times, and he said, you know what? I give up. I'm going back to fishing. And what did Jesus do? He showed back up at uh, Peter's shore, and he said, come back. Come on. Be restored, right? And then I think about Job, as I've already talked about Job. He spends the rest of the book bickering on how difficult life's been. My lot in life has become too hard. I, I, I don't even want to live in this situation anymore. And yet at the end of it, God says to all of his friends, Job was righteous and he is the one who has done right by me. And so I, I, I wrote this down. There's grace for our mistakes, but the answer is never in giving up. So I need you to understand, Peter needed grace for his mistakes but jesus's message was don't give up you can you can be restored i can still use you as a great preacher of my message right and job was like i know things have gotten difficult and there's grace for your mistakes but the answer is not just throwing in the towel and giving up we have got to walk in new ways so let me equip you 
with two ways to win. Some of you might have felt like, um, I'm going to need a few ways to win because it's been cold around our marriage lately, or there's been some difficulty, or you lost that love and feeling. Okay, come on. There, God wants to bring you back and restore your marriage because your marriage is preaching a message. Here's two ways that you can begin to win. The first one is this. Pray regularly. You're like, no, don't say that, Pastor Drew. That sounds so good. I just don't feel like praying for her right now. I just don't feel like praying for him right now. <laughs> I don't feel like praying for anybody right now. I'm just so frustrated. Well, listen, prayer has a, a potent power to bring two together. Scripture says in Matthew 18, 20, For where two or three gather together in his name, there God is in the midst. You know who's oftentimes in the midst of us in the middle of an argument? I feel like the enemy and Satan is just up there going, oh yeah, remember this about her? Remember this about him? Come on, bring that one up. And God said, don't bring that one up. And you're like, come on, oh, we're bringing it up. When you stop and pray, I've seen the atmosphere start changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. The Spirit of the Lord is here. I've watched people who were headed off the tracks in in my office talking about marriage and it was starting to kind of head downhill and I said can we just stop right now and let's pray and this pastor ain't gonna pray I want one of you two to pray because um, something changes when you start lifting up your spouse can I be real with you when um, we don't always get it right in daily prayer I just I just want to be transparent we try to do that I, I need to pick up the ball more often um, but I've been I've been doing that more often lately and and listen when I'm in seasons where we pray every single night it's really difficult to continue the argument when you know I got to pray for her in just a few minutes <laughs> I'm gonna ask God to touch our marriage and right now things are headed in the wrong direction and it restrains me. Like, it, 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 it teaches me a new love. It teaches me the right spirit. You know what I'm saying? When you make it a daily habit to pray, you are instituting in such awesome habits inside your marriage that protect you from getting off the rails. Come on. And, 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 and why is it so hard to pray for your spouse? I know you're like, well, if he would pray more often, he's supposed to be the leader, and I'm waiting for him to pray, so I'm not going to be the first one to pray. And the guy's going, I'm not going to pray because she's better at praying, and I don't know if I'm praying good enough. And I had this thought last night. I'm always blessing her. It's your turn to bless me. Come on. Sounds very selfish and carnal. I, I get it. But, I, you know, I just prayed blessing on her. It, I want to hear it back my way. The enemy likes to come into our prayer. Am I being too real for you? Doesn't the enemy get into the middle and just go, well, then don't pray. Don't connect. Please, Lord, don't ask the Lord into your presence because I have a whole lot. This is Satan speaking. I have a whole lot more fun when you leave him out of it. Oh, I love how I, 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 love how I can make you push her buttons and she can make you push his buttons. But when you start to pray, oh, the atmosphere is changing now. Um, so number one, pray but number two you might say well pastor Drew, that's great but my spouse is not going to pray with me 
Maybe, maybe they aren't on a Christian walk with you and, and um, uh, things are difficult. Can I say to the single people right now, so oftentimes we ignore the message to not be unequally yoked and you think, I'll get them saved, I'll get them closer to Jesus down the road, we'll get this figured out, I got a long time to work on them. Can I say right now, you don't know the struggles of walking with God and having a partner who says, that's a joke or I, 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 it's fine that you do it, I'm just not going to participate with you. And so while the two are supposed to be one, we're not spiritually one. We're spiritually on two different pages. And you try to ignore it, and you try to decline it, and you try to say, but they're hot. And we have so many other things in common. If you are not equally yoked, the scripture is undefeated, yet we try to do it all the time and go, there's going to be no ramifications for not following this one. Oh, you're going to have some issues. The Bible says, if two godly people marry, Paul said, you're going to have issues. So if you're unequally yoked, you're going to have some issues. Please, please be wise enough to pay attention to that. But maybe, maybe your, your spouse won't pray. Uh, maybe they don't have the same um, a spiritual connection, and the Bible speaks about that too. Love them anyway, and hopefully love them with the love of the Lord into, them, uh, into a relationship with God. But everyone can do this whether they'll do number one or not. They can do number two. Love them. We've intentionally spelled that wrong. Love. L-U-V. Listen, understand, and validate. Listen to them, understand them, and validate them. This can strengthen marriages so much. It applies beyond marriages as well. As we get to know friends better, we need to love them. You say, well, that's very practical and social science-y. I don't know if that's very spiritual. Let me ask you a question. Does God love you? Does he listen to you? Exodus says this, that it says, uh, or Acts refers to the book of Exodus when it says, I have indeed seen their oppression. I have heard their groaning. God takes the time to listen to us. We should take the time to listen to one another. Beyond just listening, does God understand us? Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do. God could have stayed up in the sky and going, I don't want to deal with it. I trust you. It sounds like it sucks, right? That's what God could have said. He didn't say that. He came down in the flesh so that he could understand how it feels to be rejected, to understand how it feels to be born into poverty, understand how it feels to be profiled. He understands. He hasn't just heard you. He understands it. And number three, does God validate us all the time? He's the God who says things that are not yet as though they were. Isaiah 43, 1 says, you are mine. Over and over, God said to people who are misbehaving, you're still mine. I validate you as my people. And so as Christians, that means a follower of God, a follower of Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to be a follower of him, I better learn to love my neighbor and love my spouse, L-U-V. Listen to them. My wife came across a marriage podcast that said, 20 minutes a day, if you'll just turn off the TV, space out from the kids and just have connection for 20 minutes a day. How was your day? I did this, this, and this. 
Tell me about your day. That sort of connection helps us listen to one another and get on the same page. Frustrations and underlying issues start increasing whenever you're trying to speak over the TV. I don't feel like I got your attention. I'm listening. Oh, yeah, tell me what I just said. <laughs> Come on, you've heard that one before, you, you know? Or, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. I feel like the kids, the kids have your attention. You're listening to them. Are you listening to me? I don't like your tone. Oh, my, with the tone. Don't pay attention to how I said it. Listen to what I said. I can't listen to anything you say until you say how I want you to say it. Oh, doesn't it get at us? Doesn't it tear us up? But when we listen, and not just listen, do we understand? That's the you. Understand. Did you feel what they felt as you listened? Or did you just come up with a great comeback? Oh, when she's done talking. Yeah, but you. And you remember what you did? <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't understand what I'm feeling right now. Because if you did, you would not <laughs> heap more firewood on the fire. You would understand how this felt. And so I'm not looking for great comebacks. I'm looking to connect with your heart. I'm looking to understand, how did you feel? What are you saying? I'm listening. I'm understanding you. I'm not just like, you know, giving you a few minutes. And then finally, I'm validating. Communicate what you think you just heard. If I'm hearing you correctly... You're saying that right now there's a lot going on and, and the kids are um, got a lot going on as well. You need my help and you'd like my help tonight putting the kids to bed. Yeah, yeah, I would. Okay. I'm going to put the kids to bed, right? There's nothing greater than validation. Have you ever walked up to somebody and said their name and you were unsure of their name? What are you looking for? Validation. <laughs> I just walked up to somebody as I passed them in the hall. Like, What's up? And they were just like, they kind of just walked by. And I was like, did I just use the wrong name again? A little validation would have helped me out a lot. Or when you go order at Chick-fil-A or, or, or any fast food restaurant, you go to order and you go, I, I, I want a double cheeseburger and onion rings and a large orange drink. Some of y'all are getting that, right? And, and, and that's old school. That's old school if you don't know what I'm talking about. And, and, and they just answer back, rah, 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 rah. okay, drive around. You're like, no, wait, I, 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 don't, I don't know if we're on the same page here. I don't feel very secure about this transaction right now. Could you, could you try to tell me what my order was? Rah, 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 rah. We got your order out the window. Just drive around. No, I would rather stay right here until I know I'm getting what I ordered. That's why I love Chick-fil-A so much. Come on. Christian chicken is such a great thing that when you pull up and you say, uh, my family loves it. I, I need five number ones. My family is over the hill about extra pickles. I need four of them with extra pickles. I need one of them regular. Okay, so I got four chicken uh, sandwich combos, four with extra pickles, one more with no pickles. No, 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 no. I want the normal amount of pickles. I don't want excess pickles. I want the normal amount. Okay, so that will be four with extra pickles, one with the normal amount of pickles. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay, you could drive around. I feel good about this transaction. I feel validated that we're going to get it right tonight as we get our Chick-fil-A meal, right? You can do this in your relationship. Listen, understand. Understand my concern that you are going to put the wrong quantity of pickles 
So please validate that you got it right. You can do this in your relationship. Would you bow your head as I pray over all of us? God, there's many of us in the room who are married. We need your help. There's many of us in the room who are not married. We need your help. Many who want to get married, many whose, whose marriage fell apart, many who it wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't even on them. They tried everything they could, and yet, uh, Father, I just ask that the shame be washed away from those who have experienced an unpleasant divorce. God, we leave that right now, anything undone at the cross right now, and I ask for restoration over lives right now. For those of us who are married, I ask your hand to bless our marriage more than our efforts, more than good articles, more than just saying, I loved you, I'll tell you if it ever changes. No, 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 God, in Jesus' name, teach us your ways. For our marriages are the metaphor to the world that you chose. So use us beyond our own happiness. Bring restoration. For those who are single or single again, Father, I pray that you would store these treasures in our hearts. So that, Father, it would bless the future to walk in a way that has fewer shame and fewer regrets. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone who receives that said, amen.